2: it's time to play like a Jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a Jet, what does
0: that mean? Garrett Wilson, wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return, near
2: side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30, hits the Jets, and he's gonna go! Just win it! Touchdown,
0: rookie Xavier Gibson, game over. Allen has time, Accepted, Sauce Gardner's got it, Ellen. Tripped up, he could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quentin Williams. What a beast, number
3: 95 for the Jets. Listen,
4: thank you. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at like jet one it's time to answer your mailbag questions. So for that, we bring in our friend who's the editor over at JetNation.com, Mr. Glenn Naughton. Glenn, what's up, brother?
3: Uh, I'll tell you what, Scott. I don't know if you're like me at this point or how many Jets fans are in the same boat I'm in, but this this uh, I'm on an emotional roller coaster right now. <laughs> One minute uh, I'm telling myself the season's over, and uh, the next minute I'm, I'm formulating these scenarios in which the Jets can make it to the postseason and make a run. Um, so So very bipolar Jets fan at the
4: moment. Many such cases, I believe, Glenn. I think a lot of people have their emotions all over the place at this moment. Let's see what happens against the New England Patriots before we all freak out has been my mentality so far. And with that, let's answer some questions because one of the things people have been freaking out about, understandably so, is the offensive line. And New York Jets Luke asks, how many games will the Jets give Dwayne Brown to fix his play? I think Makai Becton has earned the left tackle spot. Well, here's the problem. First of all, everybody played poorly against the Cowboys, including Becton, including Elijah Vera Tucker. You heard Luke Grant say on the show when we went through the All-22 the other day that this was probably Elijah Vera Tucker's worst game as a pro. So it's tough to judge Dwayne Brown just in that one game, especially since he was going up one on one against Micah Parsons. Now he was bad the week before too, so let's stipulate that. But he is still coming back from the injury. It's tough to know exactly what's going on there. But I will say this too: we've seen Connor McGovern play terribly. Lake and Tomlinson has played poorly going back to last season. So if you take Dwayne Brown out, I suppose the fix there would be to move Elijah Ver Tucker over. If you're going to do that, then that means you're going to have to keep Lakin Tomlinson in the lineup. You're going to have to keep Connor McGovern in the lineup because then you would put in Joe Tipman at either center or guard and move McGovern to guard or keep him at center and have Titman at guard. So unless you're planning on putting in Max Mitchell, which I guess you could try to do as well, I don't know that there's a great solution here. Max Mitchell was rough in training camp and he was very spotty last season when he played as a rookie. I guess... At some point, you may just try anything. Certainly, Billy Turner is not the answer. I hope they don't go down that road. So the answer with Dwayne Brown is I honestly don't know. And I'm not saying that Dwayne Brown is the answer. I'm not saying that he's playing well. I just don't know how much better they're going to be able to do off the bench at this point.
3: Yeah, I think it's a great question. It's it's one I've been I've been mulling over because I think right now the fact that he's 38, the fact he's coming off an injury, the fact he didn't have a training camp, the fact that it was so much, you know, Micah Parsons, who's going to embarrass most guys one-on-one. I think he has a lot of things that the coaching staff is going to look at and give him the benefit of the doubt. And it's going to take a couple more games where he's just a liability, where they consider making a move. I, and so w- agreeing wholly with what you said, I think he's got at least a couple more games. And if he starts to turn things around and even just play at a decent level, then he's safe. However, if you do make a move, I think it triggers multiple moves because I think you do flip Beckton to the left side. That makes the most sense and then that means and and i'm agree wholeheartedly with you it can't be billy turner i'm hoping max mitchell on the right side um and then you i think you have to look at lake and tomlinson at some point too and you know i I put out a a four different offensive line combinations the other day and in reality you could probably come up with seven or eight or nine potential combinations because you've got avt with the versatility you've got beckton who can play both tackle spots you've got schweitzer who they you know who those you know in attendance said he looked all right in training camp. You've got Tipman who you can insert at some point. So the, I guess the one sort of silver lining here is that the Jets have some options. But the concerning thing is not all of them are proven that they can get the job done. But to answer the question with with um w- what they do right now with Dwayne Brown, I think he gets at least a few more weeks. Um, unless as you said, if he goes out and he's a complete disaster again, um, you know, say he gives up a couple sacks to Matt Judon this week they may have to move quicker and and what i'd love to know is is you know it again it's probably too far down the road but i'd said early in the year that i thought there was a chance Carter Warren could get some playing time this year if Dwayne Brown struggled i don't know how close he is to being 100% and when he is 100% i don't know how close how close to ready he'll be to play in an nfl game
2: Even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's
1: chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
2: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18
1: plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Next question comes in from Michael Palace. He asks, if the Jets hadn't gotten screwed by the officials on numerous plays do you think they would have had a chance to win? Obviously, there were a ton of calls that went against the Jets that when you look back at it were beyond questionable. I don't know that the Jets were winning this game under any circumstances. The Cowboys are just a buzzsaw right now, and Micah Parsons was destroying the offensive line. Tough to ask much of Zach Wilson when he's getting pressured 70% of the plays. You can look back not only at the officiating, but also Sauce dropping the pick six. Zach Wilson having his arm hit on that play that clearly would have been a touchdown otherwise at the end of the first half. And there are a lot of what ifs, but ultimately I don't think that the officiating was enough to cost the Jets this game. I think it probably would have been closer if those calls had gone their way as they should have. I think it would have been closer if some of these other things had happened like Sauces pick six. But I still think the Cowboys would have ended up winning. Probably would have been by two scores instead of three but the Cowboys still probably would have won. They're just on a different level at this point.
3: Yeah, I think any time you get a game, I, I know there were some, the Jets did catch some bad breaks, but when you get blown out to that degree, there's really, I don't think there's a, an exercise where you can sort of do the mental gymnastics to say, oh, here's how they would have won this game. I mean, there yes, there are some things that could have gone their way that would have kept it closer, um, but really, it's a 20-point loss. You got blown out, you know, just kind of lick your wounds and, and, you know, hope the refs get it right this week.
4: Next question comes in from Michael Christopher. He asks, with what we're seeing from head coaches around the league, do you think Robert Sala will be a good head coach? Or do you think he's really more of a defensive coordinator like Todd Bowles and Vic Fangio, who showed that they're defensive masterminds but just can't handle the task of being a head coach? We're going to find that out soon enough, Michael. That's a good question, but it's tough to tell. I mean, there's signs in both directions, right? The players seemed to really respond to Robert Sala. They held together on Monday night when they had a million reasons to quit. That was very impressive. He seems to be a very good leader, but can he get the house in order? Can he help enough on the offense, put his hand in there and help right the ship, even though he's, quote, a defensive guy? Because really that's what you need. Remember, Glenn, back in 1999 when the Jets were struggling offensively, Bill Parcells took the play calling away from Charlie Weiss and things got better. So even though Bill Parcells wasn't known as an offensive guy per se, he knew that it was his responsibility to jump in there and fix things. And so he did. And I think Robert Sala this year is going to show us a lot about whether or not he is a head coach or just a glorified defensive coordinator. I'd say the jury is still out right now.
3: Yeah, I think anytime you have a a first time head coach, right? Just look at it historically. It's so rare that they have a great deal of success early on. A lot of the best coaches have to go through those sort of the trials and tribulations and struggles and get fired and you know reassess themselves and come back and and you see it all the time and you know with Robert Sala he has shown some traits that you you want to see in a head coach you uh, as you said the players seem to really like playing for him and he's he's able to keep them playing hard um it, whether or not he's the guy i think we're a couple of years away from knowing that but i you know he's he's a guy that he he's done enough in my mind that like i want to see him get kept around to to let him work through you know the going through the steps of going from a brand new head coach to a great head coach because the jets have just kind of become this, this, this place for guys to come get their first job, hang out for a couple of years and go, um, unless, you know, unless you're, you're hiring a, a, a you know, career loser like Adam Gase. So, um, uh, I think Sal has shown enough as a head coach that he, my hope is that he gets a couple of years and let's, let's face it, you know, this year is, um, it's going to be interesting to see how how ownership views this. Like how does this year play out and do they look at it and say, "Well, we got to the quarterback and he lost and or you you know, you lost the quarterback, so do they do they cut some, do they cut Salas some slack?" I think they want some stability for once at the head coach spot. So, as long as the team remains competitive, I think he hangs around for a while.
4: Here's one from Jet Met XYZ. This is a much-improved Jet team with a handful of young studs who know they are good to great on both sides of the ball. You are already seeing the backlash. If the Jets lose next week, will the coaches begin to lose the team? It's possible. Like you said, we did see some things, especially Brees Hall tweeting out frustration about the four carries. I think a lot of it depends on how it goes. If it's a competitive game and they fight tooth and nail and lose and Zach Wilson is at least passable, I think everything will be okay. But if it's like last year where Zach Wilson is straight up terrible and maybe Brees Hall again only gets a couple of carries, you might start to see signs of that. And that's what I'm worried about. But I will say, Glenn, this is a big opportunity for the Jets. If they can beat the Patriots, who they haven't beaten since Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing quarterback for them in 2015, and if Zach Wilson can play reasonably well, which he hasn't even come close to doing against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. This could be a huge mental boost for the team, and it could do a lot to help their season and help turn the corner in terms of them potentially being a playoff contender this year.
3: Yeah, I think this is um, it, it's such a big game for Zach Wilson. I'm actually in the middle of doing an article right now, just kind of looking back at how bad he has been against the Patriots, and it's he's sort of he's been worse against them than he has against anyone else. Um, you know, almost a third of his career interceptions. Um, so he's got 22 career picks, seven of them against the Patriots. So he's, he's got to get his act together, even if he has a game where just lead a couple of touchdown drives and then that locker room is going to have confidence, uh, you know, to, to get back to the question that it, it concerns me that that sort of a that that question is out there and b that it's not crazy to think like it seems a lot of guys not just teams, but individuals like you see guys like lose faith or complain or like after a game or two. And it's it's like there's no you know I shouldn't say there's no you, it's not as common nowadays to see guys say like all right well there's going to be rough patches during the season and we got to fight through them and you know see what happens um nowadays you see guys they don't get enough carries one day and it's like oh I got to go on social media and I got to tell the world how unhappy I am because I didn't get the, what I wanted today um and get, don't get me wrong it was a terrible job to get Bree's Hall the ball four times he better have the ball more times on the first drive uh this week than he had all of last week um so that was a bad job by the Jets but If there's a risk of losing the locker room because you lost two games, um, maybe you weren't really, you don't have the makeup to be a championship contender anyway because, I mean, we heard Salah say it on hard knocks. Like, the climb starts now and things are going to get hard and there's going to be rough patches and, you know, it's going to be a hard freaking season. And that was before they lost Aaron Rodgers. You expect adversity. So if two losses is all it takes to get you to throw your hands up and say, well, this thing's over, then maybe, you know, maybe... you don't have that mentality anyway. The the right makeup to to be competitive.
4: Next question comes in from hopeful Mets fan. He asks, "When will Jets fans turn their criticism to Joe Douglas? He's been here for four years and has still been unable to fix the offensive line. He also drafted Zach Wilson. It's kind of interesting with Joe Douglas because I feel like there's two camps of Jets fans." There's Jets fans who probably criticize him too much, and that's a very small percentage of Jets fans. And then there's the Jets fans who don't want to hear any criticism of him, and that's a much bigger percentage of Jets fans. I sort of fall in the middle. I recognize that Douglas was handed a terrible roster and was able to do a lot to fix that roster, but there's still a lot of shortcomings here. Like you said, the offensive line is bad, and we talked about this, Glenn. In the offseason, their entire strategy seemed to be Aaron Rodgers will fix it. They didn't make any major moves this offseason, and in the draft, they picked mostly guys that are long-term plays as opposed to guys that will help right now. As far as upgrades in the offseason on the offensive line, there weren't really any. And even at wide receiver, they brought in Alan Lazard but lost Elijah Moore, so that's really kind of a wash. And ultimately, you look at the roster and say, well, if you were going all in with Aaron Rodgers, why didn't you make more all-in moves. We had talked about DeAndre Hopkins and there are other guys they could have tried to target. So I understand the frustration. But that said, if you look at what Douglas has done from the roster he inherited from Mike McKagan, certainly the roster looks a lot better. There's a reason why people were talking about this team as a legitimate Super Bowl contender before the season. And he did obviously deliver Aaron Rodgers so he tried to fix his mistake with Zach Wilson it's not his fault that Aaron Rodgers went down in week one and he's even had some bad luck on the offensive line too but to your point you are correct the offensive line should be in better shape he should have done more in the off season to try to help fix it So I think this season will be interesting. I don't see a lot of Jets fans blaming Joe Douglas, even if this thing goes south, only because they're going to look at the Zach Wilson, Aaron Rodgers situation and give him some leeway. But I do think he's got to do some work this offseason to repair that offensive line and to fix some of the deficient areas. Because even though I think overall he's done a pretty solid job of fixing Mike McKagan's mistakes. As you pointed out, there have been some real issues, and he needs to do something about that if the Jets are going to be a sustainable winner,
3: yeah. I think Douglas, you know, a lot of this is too, too is going to hinge on when Tipman takes the starting job because I think he will and how he plays because if, you know we're of course, we're going to keep our fingers crossed if Becton stays on the field between Beckton, a v and, and Tipman, like that, those are three really good well, i I believe Tipman will be as well. Um, AVT and Becton we've seen it they're going to be really good cornerstone guys the Tomlinson thing is just inexplicable like here's a guy who was viewed as one of the top guards in the league um, Joe Douglas pays him nobody criticized that that I can recall I'm sure you know there will always be somebody but basically the the overwhelming majority of people praise that move um, based on Tomlinson's history and he's just been a disaster and it's it's one of those things that how can you possibly project that it's not like it's not like he's a, a guy who you you gave a five year deal and he's thirty seven years old. He's still in his prime years. He should be playing at a much better level now than he is. And then at left tackle, of course, you have Dwayne Brown. And I I do I believe, um, and maybe I'm too high on him, but I think Carter Warren was drafted to be a guy who could play the left tackle spot if Becton were to move on. Um, you know, going into next year, I know that uh, Duke Manyweather, who most people are familiar with by now, I believe it was him. He's a guy after the draft that thought. You know, he, he said. Carter Warren, if not for the injuries that he had in college, would have been a top 50 pick. Um, And he was a great pass blocker at Pitt. Run blocking, not as much, but that's something he can work on. So uh, between the injuries and Tomlinson just completely bombing out, um, I have a hard time saying he hasn't done the right thing. Like the the Beckton injuries, all unpredictable. It's not like Beckton had a litany of injuries in college. He stayed healthy in college. AVT never had injury issues. So as you said, Scott, he's had some bad luck on the O-line. But he's also, and listen, I, I love Joe Douglas, but he has, there are some things he's done that really, like the, giving Dalvin Cook that much money. I have no idea what they were thinking. Um, not going after DeAndre Hopkins. No idea what they were thinking. I said a million times during the offseason, not adding a backup quarterback makes, it makes me wonder how serious they are about wanting to win. And here we are, week one, you're down to your QB2, and it could cost you the season. So he's had some really big fumbles. But if you look at the, you know, the big picture, as you said, the roster from where it was to where it is the upgrades have been tremendous. So it really is a mixed bag with him.
4: Next question comes in from Sergeant CVO. He asks, do you think the jets will do any design runs for Zach Wilson in this game against the Patriots? I think they should. We talked about this on the show with Luke Grant the other day. Zach Wilson is very good at using his legs. Nobody's going to confuse him for Justin Fields or Josh Allen or anything like that, but he can be effective with his legs. We saw it Sunday Against The Cowboys so there's no reason They shouldn't do more RPOs more design Runs and play to that Strength Zach Wilson in Some ways I think if used properly Could be a little bit like Mitchell Trubisky when he was with the Bears If you remember Glenn and I talked about This the other day Trubisky Destroyed the Jets with his legs when The Bears beat the Jets at Soldier Field A couple of years ago he got a ton Of key third downs he used his legs To make a lot of plays And it helped the Bears immensely. Even if Zach Wilson is struggling overall as a passer, which I think you and I agree, he's made some strides. Use that aspect of his game. Have him use his legs more. And I think that will help the team and the offense a lot.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, I say all the time that I think that anytime you have a quarterback who can, even a guy who can run a little bit. Like, it is something you should, like, you should want to have your opponent having to plan for as many possibilities as possible. And you know, make life as difficult as possible on them. And Zach Wilson can absolutely run the ball. We've seen it, and I I I don't know why it's not something they do more. And what, you know, when you're watching Zach with those couple scrambles he had the other day, you, you know, you're watching that thinking, why why aren't they doing this? Why isn't there, you know, why aren't we seeing some RPOs, some design runs? And again, one more thing for defenses to think about. So hopefully, hopefully we see. You know, n- nobody's saying you got to run them 12 times. But, you know, four or five run plays for Zach, and he gets you 50, 60 yards, those are chunks of yards, and that all adds up. So I will we? I have no idea, but I would certainly hope so at this point.
4: Next question comes in from Feisty Jetpack. He asks, why can't the Jets have a Max Pro package and get Brownlee activated and involved as a deep threat? Why is Hardman not being used particularly on trick plays? Zach Wilson has arm talent, and he's athletic. Why is his coaching staff not playing to his strengths? I think against the Cowboys, it was just a buzzsaw they ran into. But I do think that they're going to have to start doing a lot of what you're saying there... And I think specifically they're going to have to stop being scared when it comes to Zach Wilson. You're just not going to win playing the kind of football that Nathaniel Hackett and Keith Carter have put together here with the offensive line and the play calling. They're going to have to open it up a little bit. And like you said, Hardman's going to have to get used. They're going to have to use Zach Wilson's legs more, some RPOs. They're going to have to mix it up and get more creative. It's that simple. If they want to win games, particularly starting out here against the Patriots on Sunday. They're going to have to do more than what we've seen so far, even though, as I said, I don't think there was anything they were going to do Sunday against the Cowboys to win.
3: Yeah, the, you know, this is where I worry, right? And I, I know, and I said at the time that Hackett was hired that we can't we can't hold him accountable for the, the things his dad did. Um, but my fear is that we start seeing some of those same things. Of course, Paul Hackett, you know, like despise the idea of throwing the ball beyond 15 yards down the field. Um, and opposing defenses knew that. I remember sometimes defenders would talk about it. Um, and with Zach Wilson, I kind of I had the same mentality. Like against Dallas, against that front, you know, keep things short, keep things quick, simple. I, you know, you, you can kind of understand that. But it, to be honest, I thought they would pound the ball. We didn't see that either. Um, but you do have to. You can't. I mean, in, especially in today's game. I feel like every couple of years we get a new coordinator and you think this is the guy that's going to open it up. This is the guy that's going to use the whole field. Um, and it either doesn't happen or the quarterback just isn't good enough to deliver. So I think that we need to see that with Zach Wilson. I mean, I'm not saying he's got to throw the ball, you know, I'm not not saying he's got to have 10, 12 dropbacks where he heaves it down the field, but you know, once a quarter, you know, just, just open things up, get guys going down the field, get again, giving defense, giving defenses, things to think about. And if, if, Nathaniel Hackett is gonna and I'm not saying he is I'm just saying if he turns out to be you know a clone of his father then it's it's gonna be a thing where defenses can say all right we have the Jets this week so we don't have to worry about beyond 20 yards because everything stays inside of 15 20 yards so really I mean let the kid get wrong how about some no huddle like that's some Zach Wilson hasn't played a lot of good football but some of the best football he's played has been you know two minute hurry up like up tempo stuff maybe maybe incorporate some of that
4: Next question comes in from Ernesto Jimenez. He says, you mentioned in some of your tweets that the plan was for Zach Wilson to sit for two seasons. Well, why would they even contemplate making him the number two quarterback then, especially with a soon to be 40 year old quarterback in front of him? I don't understand this decision from the get go. Well, Glenn, you and I talked about this. And at the time, we said we thought it would probably be a good idea to add a veteran like a Teddy Bridgewater or something like that. Or I even would have tried to sign Jacoby Brissett or Andy Dalton before they got Rodgers as insurance, not only in case Rodgers got hurt. But if something went south with the Rodgers trade, you want to have a capable starter on the roster. They didn't do that. And so they decided they were going to roll with Wilson. They, I guess, liked what they saw in training camp and the preseason enough to go with him as the backup, and so that's where they're at. And I've been talking about this, but I think really what this comes down to is the Jets have made the calculation at this point that they think that Zach Wilson can be better than any of the reasonable alternatives. And when I say reasonable alternatives, I'm talking about the type of guys that I just mentioned, Jacoby Brissett and Andy Dalton. You can't have the expectation of Zach Wilson being anything close to what we thought he was going to be when the Jets drafted him out of BYU a couple of years ago, at least not this year, because the plan was for him to be completely rebuilt. The expectation for this year or the ceiling for this year should be those Low level starters slash high level backup types, guys like Andy Dalton, Jacoby Brissett, Case Keenum, so on and so forth. They've made that calculation that they think Wilson can get there. I'm not saying he can't, I'm just saying it's definitely a risk, especially with this roster. So that's what they decided to do. It's not what I would have done, but now that they're in this situation, we have to hope that it works. And I think there's definitely a possibility that it will because we have seen some legitimate improvement from Wilson in a variety of different important categories. But Glenn, you and I were definitely nervous about the prospect of going into the season with Zach Wilson as the backup. And we'll see over the next couple of weeks whether or not the Jets were right to trust him in this spot or whether they should have done something like what we said and gone with a seasoned veteran in this position, because ultimately the Jets' season is going to be hinging on that decision now. And if they made the wrong one, it could get ugly pretty quickly.
3: Yeah, I think that you know our position on this is pretty well documented. We we covered it quite a bit in the off season and talked about how the opportunity you know they could be in a situation where Zach Wilson ends up as QB one, um, and and I really think that. What what's what's surprising to me or what bothers me is that I'm hearing fans, you know, and, and I'm, I've, my, my thoughts and my, this what I say about Zach Wilson has always been, you know, only related to how he plays. Like there's some people who love him, so he can do no wrong and everything is everyone else's fault. There's some people who hated him. So even when he shows improvement, they don't want to hear about it. Like I'm just saying what I'm seeing. And I think that for, for the jets, you know, for people to say, Oh, well, you know, he didn't play great, but he wasn't supposed to be, you know, it was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers and he's not supposed to be on the field right now. I don't want to hear that. He, he's QB two. That, that's it. Like, I don't want to hear that. That wasn't the plan. Your plan should always be to, to make sure your guys are ready if they're on the depth chart, if they're on the active roster. So if you didn't, you know, do what, what we had suggested, which was bringing another quarterback and have Zach Wilson inactive all week or all year, I said several times, keep that guy in street clothes all year. Unless you're, unless you have a playoff spot clinched, or you're a, a, playing a weak opponent. You feel like you have a, a chance to blow somebody out, and you wanted to get some reps. Fine, but the fact that you dress this guy or you kept this guy as your only viable option is your QB two, I don't want to hear that. Oh well, you you got you got to grade him on a great of curve because he wasn't supposed to be playing now. Well, he is, and yes, he has shown improvement. But the team's handling of this, like I said, Joe Douglas has done some really good things. The handling of the QB situation this year was not one of them.
4: Final question comes in from Daniel M2K2020. He asks, where do you rank the WrestleMania 13 match between Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin in the all-time rankings of WrestleMania matches? This is a great question, and I know Glenn can't really answer this one because I don't think he's seen very many WrestleMania matches, but ultimately, I think you could make a credible case that Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin is the best WrestleMania match of all time, and there are a lot of great candidates for that, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, versus Randy Macho Man Savage at WrestleMania 3. There was Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania, The Rock and Hulk Hogan. We could go down the list of candidates for best WrestleMania match of all time. We could talk, of course, about that ladder match between Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon, Bret Hart and Owen Hart, so many But the reason why I think you can make a very credible case that this was number one is because not only was it a fantastic match, but it told an incredible story and look at what it ended up setting up, right? You have... Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin going into this one. Bret Hart's the baby face. Stone Cold Steve Austin is the heel. By the time the match was over, you had a double turn. Stone Cold Steve Austin is now the baby face. Bret Hart is the heel. And look at what that set up. Bret Hart is the lead heel in the promotion. And Steve Austin as his butt-kicking baby face. And what did that ultimately get you to? Bret Hart gets screwed by Vince McMahon, which turns Vince McMahon heel... And Stone Cold Steve Austin, who is already established as the ass-kicking babyface, ends up as arguably the most successful babyface of all time. You could say that Hulk Hogan is number one because he had a longer run on top. But as far as peak for peak, Austin is still number one in terms of ticket sales, pay-per-view revenue, merchandise moved, all of that. So when you look at what this match did in terms of telling a story, in terms of the action in the match, and then the end result... Of Bret Hart becoming one of the lead Heels in the company and Stone Cold Steve Austin on his way to becoming One of the biggest baby faces of all time There's just so much in this match to love If you like pro wrestling even a little This is A, a must watch if you've Never seen it before and B, a must Rewatch numerous times If you haven't watched it in a while That's going to wrap up this week's edition of the Mailbag, thanks so much for listening Really appreciate Glenn Naughton Of JetNation.com jumping in with me To answer some questions, make sure sure that you check out everything Glenn's doing over at JetNation.com. Follow him on Twitter at JN Radio underscore Glenn. Check out everything we're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com and the PlayLikeAJet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has some awesome all-22 breakdowns. So watch those and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash PlayLikeAJet. Visit our store, TPublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, bless you, thank you shirt, the Play like a jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies, it's all there, TPublic.com. Dot com. That's DEEPublic.com, and be sure to give us a five star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you can go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com.
1: With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.